Chapter Seventeen of Cleopatra by Georg Ebers, translated by Mary J. Safford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen. Cleopatra had sought the venerable Anubis, who now, as the priest of Alexander, at the age of eighty, ruled the whole hierarchy of the country. It was difficult for him to leave his armchair, but he had been carried to the observatory to examine the adverse result of the observation made by the queen herself. The position of the stars, however, had been so unfavorable that the more deeply Cleopatra entered into these matters, the less easy he found it to urge the mitigating influences of distant planets which he had at first pointed out in his reception hall however the chief priest had assured her that the independence of egypt and the safety of her own person lay in her hands only the planet showed this a terrible sacrifice was required a sacrifice of which his dignity his eighty years and his love for her alike forbade him to speak cleopatra was accustomed to hear these mysterious sayings from his lips and interpreted them in her own way many motives had induced her to seek the venerable prelate at this late hour in difficult situations he had often aided her with good counsel but this time she was not led to him by the magic cup of nectanibus which the eight pastophori who accompanied it had that day restored to the temple for since the battle of actium the superb vessel had been a source of constant anxiety to her cleopatra had now asked the teacher of her childhood the direct question whether the cup a wide shallow vessel with a flat polished bottom could really have induced antony to leave the battle and follow her ere the victory was decided she had used it just before the conflict between the galleys and this circumstance led anubis to answer positively in the affirmative long ago the marvellous chalice had been exhibited to her among the temple treasures and she was told that every one who induced another person to be reflected from its shining surface obtained the mastery over his will her wish to possess it however was not gratified and she did not ask for it again until the limitless devotion and ardent love of antony had seemed less fervent than of yore from that time she had never ceased to urge her aged friend to place the wondrous cup in her keeping at first he had absolutely refused predicting that its use would bring misfortune upon her but when her request was followed by an imperative command and the goblet was entrusted to her anubis himself believed that this one vessel did possess the magic power attributed to it he deemed that the drinking cup afforded the strongest proof of the magic art far transcending human ability of the great goddess by whose aid king nectanibus who according to tradition was the father of alexander the great was said to have made the vessel in the isis island of philae anubis had intended to remind cleopatra of his refusal and show her the great danger incurred by mortals who strove to use powers beyond their sphere it had been his purpose to bid her remember phaeton who had almost kindled a conflagration in the world when he attempted in the chariot of his father phoebus apollo 
to guide the horses of the sun but this was unnecessary for he had scarcely assented to the question ere with passionate vehemence she ordered him to destroy before her eyes the cup which had brought so much misfortune the priest feigned that her desire harmonized with a resolution which he had himself formed in fact before her arrival he had feared that the goblet might be used in some fatal manner if octavianus should take possession of the city and country and the wonder-working vessel should fall into his hands nectanibus had made the cup for egypt to wrest it from the foreign ruler was acting in the spirit of the last king in whose veins had flowed the blood of the pharaohs and who had toiled with enthusiastic devotion for the independence and liberty of his people to destroy this man's marvellous work rather than deliver it to the roman conqueror seemed to the chief priest after the queen's command a sacred duty and as such he represented it to be when he commanded the smelting furnace to be fired and the cup transformed into a shapeless mass before the eyes of cleopatra while the metal was melting he eagerly told the queen how easily she could dispense with the vessel which owed its magic power to the mighty isis the spell of woman's charms was also a gift of the goddess it would suffice to render antony's heart soft and yielding as the fire melted the gold perhaps the imperator had forfeited with the queen's respect her love the most priceless of blessings he anubis would regard this as a great boon of the deity for he concluded mark antony is the cliff which will shatter every effort to secure to my royal mistress undiminished the heritage which has come to her and her children from their ancestors and preserve the independence and prosperity of this beloved land this cup was a costly treasure the throne and prosperity of egypt are worthy of greater sacrifices but i know that there is none harder for a woman to make than her love the meaning of the old man's words cleopatra learned the following morning when she granted the first interview to timogenes octavianus's envoy the keen-witted brilliant man who had been one of her best teachers and with whom when a pupil she had had many an argument was kindly received and fulfilled his commission with consummate skill the queen listened attentively to his representations showed him that her own intellect had not lost in flexibility though it had gained power and when she dismissed him with rich gifts and gracious words she knew that she could preserve the independence of her beloved native land and retain the throne for herself and her children if she would surrender antony to the conqueror or to him as the person acting or these were timogenes's own words remove him forever from the play whose end she had the power to render either brilliant or fateful when she was again alone her heart throbbed so passionately and her soul was in such a tumult of agitation that she felt unable to attend the appointed meeting of the council of the crown she deferred the session until the following day and resolved to go out upon the sea to endeavour to regain her composure antony had refused to see her this wounded her the thought of the goblet and its evil influences had by no means passed from her memory with the destruction of the vessel caused by one of those outbursts of passion to which in these days of disaster she yielded more frequently than usual 
on the contrary she felt the necessity of being alone to collect her thoughts and strive to dispel the clouds from her troubled soul the beaker had been one of the treasures of isis and the memory of it recalled hours during which in former days she had often found composure in the temple of the goddess she wished to seek the sanctuary unnoticed and accompanied only by iris and the chief introducer went closely veiled to the neighbouring temple at the corner of the muses but she failed to find the object of her pilgrimage the throng which filled it to pray and offer sacrifices and the fear of being recognised destroyed her calmness she was in the act of retiring when gorgias the architect followed by an assistant carrying surveying instruments advanced towards her she instantly called him to her side and he informed her how wonderfully fate itself seemed to favour her plan of building the mob had destroyed the house of the old philosopher didymus and the grey-haired sage to whom he had offered the shelter of his home was now ready to transfer the property inherited from his ancestors if her majesty would assure him and his family of her protection then she asked to see the architect's plan for joining the museum to the sanctuary and became absorbed in the first sketch to which he had devoted part of the night and morning he showed it and with eager urgency cleopatra commanded him to begin the building as soon as possible and pursue the work night and day what usually required months must be completed in weeks iris and the introducer clad in plain garments had waited for her in the temple court and joined by the architect accompanied her to the unpretending litter standing at one of the side gates but instead of entering it she ordered gorgias to attend her to the garden the inspection proved that the architect was right and even if the mausoleum occupied a portion of it and the street which separated from the temple of isis were continued along the shore of the sea the remainder would still be twice as large as the one belonging to the palace at lochias cleopatra's thorough examination showed gorgias that she had some definite purpose in view her inquiry whether it would be possible to connect it with the promontory of lochias indicated what she had in mind and the architect answered in the affirmative it was only necessary to tear down some small buildings belonging to the crown and a little temple of berenike at the southern part of the royal harbour the arm of the agathodamon canal which entered here had been bridged long ago the new scene which would result from this change had been conjured before the queen's mental vision with marvellous celerity and she described it in brief vivid language to the architect the garden should remain but must be enlarged from the lochias to the bridge thence a covered colonnade would lead to the palace after gorgias had assured her that all this could easily be arranged she gazed thoughtfully at the ground for a time and then gave orders that the work should be commenced at once and requested him to spare neither means nor men gorgias foresaw a period of feverish toil but it did not daunt him with such a master builder he was ready to roof the whole city besides the commission delighted him because it proved that the woman whose mausoleum was to rise from the earth so swiftly still thought of enhancing the pleasures of existence 
for though she wished the garden to remain unchanged she desired to see the colonnade and the remainder of the work constructed of costly materials and in beautiful forms when she bade him farewell gorgias kissed her robe with ardent enthusiasm what a woman true she had not even raised her veil and was attired in plain dark clothing but every gesture revealed the most perfect grace the arm and hand with which she pointed now here now there again seemed to him fairly instinct with life and he who deemed perfection a form of so much value found it difficult to avert his eyes from her marvellous symmetry and her whole figure what lines what genuine aristocratic elegance and warm throbbing life that morning when helena now an inmate of his own home greeted him he had essayed to compare her mentally with cleopatra but speedily desisted the man to whom hebe proffers nectar does not ask for even the best wine of biblis a feeling of grateful cheerful satisfaction difficult to describe stole over him when the reserved quiet helena addressed him so warmly and cordially but the image of cleopatra constantly thrust itself between them and it was difficult for him to understand himself he had loved many women in succession and now his heart throbbed for two at once and the queen was the brighter of the two stars whose light entranced him therefore his honest soul would have considered it a crime to woo helena now cleopatra knew what an ardent admirer she had won in the able architect and the knowledge pleased her she had used no goblet to gain him doubtless he would begin to build the mausoleum the next morning the vault must have space for several coffins antony had more than once expressed the desire to be buried beside her wherever he might die and this had occurred ere she possessed the beaker she must in any case grant him the same favour no matter in what place or by whose hand he met death and the bedimmed light of his existence was but too evidently nearing extinction if she spared him octavianus would strike him from the ranks of the living again she was overpowered by the terrible feverish restlessness which had induced her to command the destruction of the goblet and had brought her to the temple she could not return in this mood to meet her counsellors receive visitors greet her children this was the birthday of the twins charmian had reminded her of it and undertaken to provide the gifts how could she have found time and thought for such affairs she had returned from the chief priests late in the evening yet had asked for a minute description of the condition in which they found mark antony the report made by iris harmonized with the state in which she had herself seen him during and after the battle ay his brooding gloom seemed to have deepened charmian had helped her dress in the morning and had been on the point of making her difficult confession and owning that she had aided barine to escape the punishment of her royal mistress but ere she could begin timogenes was announced for cleopatra had not risen from her couch until a late hour the object for which the queen had sought the temple had not been gained but the consultation with gorgias had diverted her mind and the emotions which the thought of her last resting-place had evoked now drowned everything else as the roar of the surf dominates the twittering of the swallows on the rocky shore 
ay she needed calmness she must weigh and ponder over many things in absolute quietude and this she could not obtain at lochias then her glance rested upon the little sanctuary of berenike which she had ordered removed to make room for a garden near at hand where the children could indulge their love of creative work it was empty she need fear no interruption there the interior contained only a single quiet pleasant chamber with the image of berenike the introducer commanded the guard to admit no other visitors and soon the little white marble circular room with its vaulted roof received the queen she sank down on one of the bronze benches opposite to the statue all was still in this cool silence her mind trained to thought could find that for which it longed clearness of vision a plain understanding of her own feelings and position in the presence of the impending decision at first her thoughts wandered to and fro like a dove ere it chooses the direction of its flight but after the question why she was having a tomb built so hurriedly when she would be permitted to live her mind found the right track among the scythian guards the mauritanians and Lemmies in the army there were plenty of savage fellows whom a word from her lips and handful of gold would have set upon the vanquished antony as the huntsman's seize him urges the hounds a hint and among the wretched magicians and magians in the rakotis the egyptian quarter of the city twenty men would have assassinated him by poison or wily snares one command to the macedonians in the guard of the malachis or youths and he would be a captive that very day and to-morrow if she so ordered on the way to asia whither octavianus as timogenes told her had gone what prevented her from grasping the gold giving the hint issuing the command doubtless she thought of the magic goblet now melted which had constrained him to cast aside honour fame and power as worthless rubbish in order to obey her behest not to leave her but though this remembrance burdened her soul it had no decisive influence it was no one thing which prisoned her hand and lips but every fibre of her being every pulsation of her heart every glance back into the past to the confines of childhood yet she listened to other thoughts also they reminded her of her children the elation of power love for the land of her ancestors and the peril which menaced it without her the bliss of seeing the light and the darkness the silence the dull rigidity of death the destruction of the body and the mind cherished and developed with so much care and toil the horrible torture which might be associated with the transition from life to death the act of dying and what lay before her in the existence which lasted an eternity when she no longer breathed beneath the sun even if the death hour was deferred and she found that not epicurus who believed that with death all things ended had been right but the ancient teachings of the egyptians what would await her in that world beyond the grave if she purchased a few more years of life by the murder or betrayal of her lover her husband yet perhaps the punishments inflicted upon the condemned were but bugbears invented by the priesthood which guarded the regulation of the state in order to curb the unruly conduct of the populace and terrify the turbulent transgressors of the law and whispered the daring greek spirit in the abode of the condemned not in the garden of alu the helysian fields of the egyptians she would meet her father and mother and all her wicked ancestors down to Eurgetes 
the first who was succeeded by the infamous philopater thus the thought of the other world became an antecedent so uncertain as to permit no definite inference and might therefore be left out of the account how would this must be the form of the question the years purchased by the murder or betrayal of one whom she loved shape themselves for her during the night the image of the murdered man would drive sleep from her couch and the furies the diri and the roman antony called them who pursued murderers with the serpent scourge were no idle creations of poetic fancy but fully symbolized the restlessness of the criminal driven to and fro by the pangs of conscience the chief good the painless happiness of the epicureans was forever lost to those burdened by such guilt and during the hours of the day and evening ay then she would be free to heap pleasure on pleasure but for whom were the festivals to be celebrated with whom could she share them for many a long year no banquet no entertainment had given her enjoyment without mark antony for whom did she adorn herself or strive to stay the vanishing charm and how soon would anguish of soul utterly destroy the spell which was slowly slowly yet steadily diminishing and when the mirror revealed wrinkles which the skill of no olympus could efface when she no she was not created to grow old did the few years of life which must contain so much misery really possess a value great enough to surrender the right of being called by present and future generations the bewitching cleopatra the most irresistible of women and the children yes it would have been delightful to see them grow up and occupy the throne but serious decisive doubts soon blended even with an idea so rich in joy how glorious to greet caesarion as sovereign of the world in octavianus's place but how could the dreamer whose first love affair had caused the total sacrifice of dignity and violation of the law and who now seemed to have once more relapsed into the old state of torpor attain the position the other children inspired fair hopes and how beautiful it appeared to the mother's heart to see antonius helios as king of egypt cleopatra selene with her first child in her arms and little alexander a noble statesman and hero rich in virtue and talents yet what would they antony's children whose education she hoped archibius would direct feel for the mother who had been their father's murderess she shuddered at the thought remembering the hours when her childish heart had shed tears of blood over the infamous mother whom her father had execrated and queen tryphena whom history recorded as a monster had not killed her husband but merely thrust him from the throne arsinoe's execrations of her mother and sister came back to her memory and the thought that the rosy lips of the twins and her darling alexander could ever open to curse her the idea that the children would ever raise their beloved hands to point at her the wicked murderess of their father with horror and scorn no no and again no she would not purchase a few more years of valueless life at the cost of this humiliation and shame purchase of whom of that octavianus who had robbed her son of the heritage of his father caesar and whose mention in the will was like an imputation on her fidelity the cold-hearted calculating upstart whose nature from their first meeting in rome had repelled her had repelled rebuffed chilled her 
of the man by whose cajolery and power her husband for in her own eyes and those of the egyptians antony held this position had been induced to wed his sister octavia and thereby stamp her cleopatra as merely his love cast a doubt upon legitimate birth of her children of the false friend of the trusting antony who before the battle of actium had most deeply humiliated and insulted both on the contrary her royal pride rebelled against obeying the command of such a man to commit the most atrocious deed and from childhood this pride had been as much a part of her nature as her breath and the pulsation of her heart and yet for her children's sake she might perhaps have incurred this disgrace had it not been at the same time the grave of the best and noblest things which she desired to implant in the young souls of the twins and alexander while thinking of the children's curses she had risen from her seat why should she reflect and consider longer she had found the clear perception she sought let gorgias hasten the building of the tomb should fate demand her life she would not resist if she were permitted to preserve it only at the cost of murder or base treachery her lover's was already forfeited at his side she had enjoyed a radiant glowing peerless bliss of which the world still talked with envious amazement at his side when all was over she would rest in the grave and compel the world to remember with respectful sympathy the royal lovers antony and cleopatra her children should be able to think of her with untroubled hearts and not even the shadow of a bitter feeling a warning thought should deter them from adorning their parents graves with flowers weeping at its foot invoking and offering sacrifices to their spirits then she glanced at the statue of berenike who had also once worn on her brow the double crown of egypt she too had early died a violent death she too had known how to love the vow to sacrifice her beautiful hair to aphrodite if her husband returned uninjured from the syrian war had rendered her name illustrious berenike's hair was still to be seen as a constellation in the night heavens though this woman had sinned often and heavily one act of loyal love had made her an honoured worshipped princess she cleopatra would do something still greater the sacrifice which she intended to impose upon herself would weigh far more heavily in the balance than a handful of beautiful tresses and would comprise sovereignty and life with head erect and a sense of proud self-reliance she gazed at the noble marble countenance of the cyrenian queen ere entering the sanctuary she had imagined that she knew how the criminals whom she had sentenced to death must feel now that she herself had done with life she felt as if she were relieved from a heavy burden and yet her heart ached and especially when she thought of her children she was overwhelmed with the emotion which is the most painful of all forms of compassion pity for herself end of chapter seventeen